Hello and welcome to Mother Bodies, the podcast about health after birth and why it matters. I'm your host, Rosie Taylor. I'm a health journalist and I'm also a mum. In this series, I'm asking some brilliant, wise and witty guests to share their thoughts on how the politics of postnatal health affects us all and the big ideas which could change our lives for the better. Most importantly, we'll also be sharing our own stories of health and recovery after birth and our honest experiences of motherhood. That's because it's only by sharing our stories that we can empower each other to ensure we all know what to expect and to make sure we all get the care and support we need, both after birth and throughout motherhood. This is Mother Bodies. So today I'm speaking to Dr. Eloise Elphinstone. Eloise is a GP based in London who has a special interest in women's health, particularly menopause care and postnatal health. She's worked in Australia and the UK and has two children under five. Eloise, it's lovely to have you here today. Thank you very much for inviting me to be here. It's lovely to be part of it. You're specialising in women's health now, which I understand is fairly unusual for a GP. And I just wanted to know what it was that inspired you to go into that specialist subject. Yes, I mean, it's an interesting one. I think it probably all stemmed back actually to having worked in Australia. I um, went and worked for a year doing obstetrics and gynaecology and absolutely loved it, but ultimately decided I'm not a surgeon at heart. So it probably wasn't quite the right career, but I loved the the women's health side of it. So um, came back to the UK, became a GP, but always wanted to keep that women's health sort of link going. And it's sort of gone from there. So um, a lot of my rotations in training to be a GP involved women's health I trained to do coils um, and implants for women I did a sexual health job and I've just continued that and so more recently um, have become much more interested in menopause and I've become a mental becoming a menopause expert and I think even more recently probably having had my own children have become much more interested in the sort of postnatal world which sadly I think is pretty underrepresented and so I'm trying to do my little bit of just trying to improve it and trying to improve or increase the sort of um, understanding about it and the profile of it I suppose which I think all of women's health needs but postnatal particularly. Was there anything that happened to you when you had your own children that sort of made you think particularly this is an area of medicine that needs more attention? Yes, I think I felt quite prepared antenatally. I think uh, we a lot of us do classes and um, it was a lot of sort of preparation. But what I really realised was then you have your baby, you very much work towards that due date and then suddenly you're on your own. And, And I thought as a doctor, I wouldn't know what to do. And I didn't really. And then also I had quite a traumatic birth. And again, having worked in Obs and Gynae, I've seen it, I've seen it happening. But when it happens to you, that is quite, um, it, quite a different experience. And I had um, a long labour, but ended up having a, a quite a large bleed um, afterwards and ended up in the high dependency unit without my baby for the first night. So I have to say the hospital dealt with it absolutely beautifully, brilliantly, kept me informed the whole time. So I haven't come away seeing it as a trauma, but I think the more time goes on, the more you really sort of dissect what's happened and actually take a step back and realise what did happen. And although I think the care at the time was really good, what I do feel is then I've been on my own quite a bit afterwards and it's taken a while just to work through it. And I 
it's made me treat my patients really differently because it's a scary lonely time afterwards um, without that much input really so yeah I think my experiences definitely have certainly changed how I do things quite a bit actually. I'm sorry to hear that you went through all of that because you know having a difficult birth can be traumatic enough but being separated from your baby and being critically ill is obviously it is it is a traumatizing experience and you say that you got good care at the time but were you offered any kind of follow-up did anyone sort of support you with your mental health after that for example what I was offered um was a I, I can't quite remember what they called it. I think it's something like the traumatic birth clinic which basically was there to sort of debrief you from what happened um And although I felt actually, I think being a doctor helped almost the experience, although it also made it quite scary because I could hear what was going on in the background and knew. I think having been in theatres, having been in that environment before, I wasn't so traumatised by that. What I was really, from a personal point of view, I didn't want this to happen again. And what really scared me is next time, I didn't want to be in that situation. I didn't know what I wanted next time, but I knew I wanted options. So that clinic for me, not so much from a sort of debrief. For me, it was a preparation for next time. I think from a psychological point of view, I think I was okay. But I think if I wasn't, I'm not sure there was enough offered at the time, if you see what I mean. And I think that's where... I very much try now the difficulty is the resources out there and I still don't think there's enough for women so it's really difficult when you ask these questions of of women and then struggle to therefore provide the help that they need so no I think probably a long-winded answer to your question is no I don't think there's probably enough support afterwards I think also I was lucky to get that clinic. I think those clinics do exist, but often people don't know about them and don't get referred to them. And I think they're really, really helpful um, because it's so traumatic sometimes at the time or there's just so much going on. Actually, six weeks down the line, it can be really helpful to really talk through what's happened and, and work out could there be changes for next time or is anything else needed this time? And it's interesting that you mentioned that you thought that you would understand what was happening to you because you were a doctor and you had medical training mm-hmm. but I mean one of the things that we've been talking about in this series is the lack of research and focus on women's health yeah. do you think what was there in your medical training that prepared you for understanding women's health was there was there much on it no really um very little I mean so menopause nothing we're trying to change that now and I'm sort of involved in doing more teaching and and hopefully that will change and I think I think there's a lot of media have been really helpful from a menopause side of things so that's good but I think uh there's women's health there's a long way more way to go with that and also women's health is a lot more than just menopause so I think and I think what's interesting from the postnatal side of things is I think we did get a relatively good antenatal training and I feel women have a lot of contact um, not long with the doctors and that that's obviously an issue but there is contact at least I think postnatally there's very little contact and very little training of what questions to ask so it's difficult it's really difficult as a GP to cover everything you need or want to you've got your your fixed amount of time and there are certain things you want to check from a 
health point of view, but that doesn't mean you're covering everything that needs to. Um, And actually, I've developed my postnatal appointments from personal experience, not so much from being taught about it. So it does require a sort of interest to go further to what you've been learned to to get that knowledge, which um, means that therefore probably people get a really varied sort of experience and varied care, unfortunately, postnatally. So obviously, as a GP, you are probably most commonly coming into contact with postnatal women at the six week check. Mm. I just wondered what because the six week check is much maligned for um, not really meeting the needs of women at that that point. I just wondered what your own experiences were of, of the six week checks after you had your two children. Yes, and I think, uh, interesting, the two difference. One, I had my first child um, back in 2017, and I had my second back in 2020, so lockdown. So the two experiences were quite different, I have to admit. And I, I hate criticising GPs because I know I'm in the same world. I know it's not easy. And um, I, I, sadly, my second checkup was not brilliant at all I just don't think you can do postnatal checkups over the phone either for mum or baby and that's nobody's fault that that was what was happening at the time but it was and you just I think there's very little in a postnatal check that you can check over the phone well I think you need you need that that rapport you need uh, some of its examination but some of it's also just talking and that is much easier face to face so Sadly, I think that my postnatal check second time wasn't great. I think the first time, do you know, it was such so long ago, it hasn't stuck in my mind. So it wasn't obviously awful, but it wasn't sort of. Um, and, and I think from my point of view, actually, the debrief for me was where uh, I found that most helpful. I think probably that the GP check at that time was probably more just checking those tick boxes that as GPs you you do have to check but it's as we all know it's more than a tick box exercise and I think probably what needs to happen is more education for GPs to know what the right things to ask but actually more is just having more time and uh, we as GPs are so stretched at the moment that you can't do a good job in 10 minutes certainly with this area and I think the other thing and I know a lot of moms do this when they come to the the six or eight week check is focus on baby you've got so many questions about your baby you want to make sure baby's well that often a lot of that time and that the appointments are often together is therefore focused on baby and not on mum and mum doesn't take priority and yet you need to be a healthy mummy to be able to look after your baby so it needs to be able to look at both sides and actually have a really specific time for mum so I tend to try and start with mum actually rather than start with baby so we can focus on that and then then we've got time for baby rather than the other way around and you've run out of time and then you whiz through the mum's check that's interesting but obviously that's not standard do you think there needs to be some kind of system of standardizing the six-week check to ensure that it's improved nationally I think so but it's a difficult one because I think the criticism of six weeks checks are their tick box exercises so as soon as you start standardizing it and saying all GPs should be doing x y and z it becomes even more of a tick box exercise and actually I think 
yes, we all should be doing the same sort of thing, but it should also be really individual from from the mum's point of view. So a good question I think we should maybe, and maybe this is where it should be standardised, is starting with, well, how was the birth? Because that opens a can of worms that you can then go down the route that's right and individual for that person. So there might be one person who, from a psychological mental health point of view really needs support but there might be somebody else from a physical point of view who's had massive tears that's affecting them or somebody else who's really focused on on getting back to exercise or so it needs to be very individual for that person whilst obviously trying to cover all the same sort of things um so how you get that is a difficult one because I think there's there is a lot of these new protocols that we're supposed to be following. There's systems on on the computer systems that we use to try and help us prompt that we cover everything. But again, that does become that tick box. And you don't want to be just saying, how's your mood? Right. Tick. It needs to be more than that. So uh, I do feel time is a big one. And how how do you get that in the current world? But what I do think is probably we need to all be talking about it more to recognize that actually this is a really important area for GPs and not just GPs all all the health professionals that are linked postnatally so midwives initially health visitors a big thing which I think we'll probably go on to later is women's health physios which I think should be part of everybody's postnatal experience which sadly isn't but there needs to be a whole sort of multidisciplinary disciplinary team involvement really um which isn't sadly the case at the moment yeah so it's time and also communication between health professionals and education presumably of those health professionals as well yeah absolutely and it's it's a difficult one to teach because I know I've learned a lot just from personal experience and personal experience of having had a difficult time as well has been helpful and having done a lot of obs and gynae whereas we all come to GP through different routes and although you try and get a broad teaching initially not everybody has done obs and gynae but I think therefore it should be a focus in the curriculum that even if you haven't done it as a job that you are taught about both antenatal checks but also postnatal checks as well. Yeah and and I understand that, you know, doctors all have different specialisms and different interests, but you would assume that this would be much more a part of general medicine, it being something that does affect, you know, a good proportion absolutely. of 50% of the population. Everybody should be able to do a postnatal check. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting when you work in a practice, because I've got an interest in women's health, I often see more. And the more you see, the more experience you get. But as GPs, we're all going to be seeing antenatal and postnatal women. So we should all be able to do the check. So, so yeah, uh, I think there's a way to go. And I think, so in my maternity leave, the second time around felt that I had, I had quite a long maternity leave because of lockdown as well. And I felt the first time my postnatal experience wasn't great. And how do you improve it? So I've actually teamed together with the Family Planning Association and written a leaflet just to try and summarise, I've done two now, summarising maternal postnatal stuff and baby postnatal stuff. Because there's so much, you can't cover everything realistically in an appointment. But I think if you can give a leaflet that covers a lot, it could then prompt somebody thinking, well, hang on, I didn't actually think about asking that, but that is an issue for me. And that is something I want to bring up. And so we're trying to get this leaflet out 
more broadly to more GPs because again GPs like a leaflet because it's a good way of giving a lot of information in a shorter period of time and if it prompts and then means that somebody thinks actually I want another appointment to follow that up then then hopefully that starts the 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 ball rolling as well. There's lots of really good suggestions that you've you've come up with today about how GPs can improve the six-week check service they provide. Do you have any sort of suggestions for for mums as to what they could do to ensure they get the most out of the six-week check and perhaps that they see a doctor who might be more understanding or, or more engaged in doing a, a good quality six-week check? Yes, I think I think that's the very good first point when you book the appointment. Actually seeing there's often we often all have our interests and our areas and actually seeing is there somebody in your practice who has a particular interest in women's health or antenatal postnatal and to make sure that that you get the appointment with them because um, hopefully you'll you'll then get the best experience from it I think the other thing I always say is write questions down when you're in the appointment there's so much going on baby might not be asleep as you'd want they might be crying they might be distracted you might need to be feeding them during the appointment so to try and remember everything that's that you wanted to ask can be difficult so write everything down write questions you might develop questions over those six weeks that you want to cover both for you and baby and the other thing is if you can again this isn't always easy but bring somebody with you so actually you can leave baby with the other person or they can hold baby whilst then we can really focus on you as mum rather than you trying to focus on baby and yourself you can actually have some time to yourself bring the red book for baby that's a really useful one so we can fill it in and do the charts and the growth charts and I, I think these are possibly unrealistic points but are points that I when I was writing my leaflet wrote um, if possible try and time it that baby's had a feed beforehand and is, is therefore a little bit more settled um, it, we have to take all the clothes off baby do an examination try and listen to the heart and and not all babies love it and if they're hungry and a bit irritable that makes it particularly difficult Um, and there are some times that you just feel I just can't do a good check and I need to bring them back so which is fine but if there is any way of trying to get baby having had a feed having had a sleep but I know very much easier said than done so possibly a little bit unrealistic (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, but yeah, coming to, to the appointment prepared, because we do have this finite amount of time, it hopefully means that, that you get the most out of it. Brilliant. And, you know, we hear a lot the phrase, no one told me about this. Mm. I think women quite often are shocked by what happens to them yeah. after they've had a baby, probably yeah. because literally no one tells us what to yeah. expect. Um, as a GP, what sort of postnatal symptoms do you most commonly find that women are sort of surprised to have experienced or asking you if it's normal? Yeah, I mean, just the first thing to say to that, which I've really found is the I found a lot of the antenatal classes focused on all the good, lovely, perfect having a baby side of things. And I and the class I did, I because being a doctor, you know about the other side. I remember asking questions, saying, oh, that won't happen, that won't happen. And I think actually it's a real shame that sometimes in, and, and again, not blaming anybody, but I think actually talking antenatally about things that p- could potentially happen is actually quite useful. And it's not there to scaremonger. It's there just to be realistic because not all of these things will happen. And sometimes none of them will happen. But if you're prepared for potentially some of these things happening, it's slightly easier at the time than being completely 
completely shocked. And as you say, nobody ever said to me that this would happen. So the first the first thing that I always talk about is to do with the pelvic floor. And this is something I probably wasn't as prepared about. But you've been carrying a baby that puts pressure on your pelvic floor. Often, if you have a vaginal delivery, you're then using those pelvic floor muscles. So afterwards, they are not going to be as strong as they were before. And that not uncommonly can lead to urinary leakage. Um, and sometimes even depending on if you certain tears, even bowel leakage. And that's quite shocking if you're not prepared for it. Well, it's quite shocking full stop. But if you're not prepared for it, it's it's something that's really shocking. People think maybe that happens to older people, but it is something that really isn't that uncommon. It can be managed. And that's where before when I mentioned about the pelvic health physios, I think we should all automatically get seen by a pelvic women's health physio because we'll try and do our pelvic floor exercises. But it's one of those things that slightly gets pushed to the back. And sometimes, certainly I wasn't doing them correctly when I thought I was to have the the help with that, because although the pelvic floor will improve on its own, it's like any muscle, it needs training. And so the urinary symptoms, the incontinence that I was talking about, I think there's a statistic saying one in three or one in two women at times can experience this. And this is where you get leakage of urine coughing, sneezing, running, exercising. And that's really not only sort of awful from a sort of physical point of view, but from a psychological point of view, that can have a huge aspect. Um, It can have, it can really affect you getting back to exercise, which in itself can help from a mental health point of view. So it has so much impact on all of your life and longer term can continue to cause problems so that's something that I always say to people and always ask people in the postnatal check whether that's something because it's not always something that you want to uh, bring up necessarily but if you're asked about and actually realize that's not unusual it's therefore not embarrassing to talk about and there's actually help out there so I would talk about that I think mental health is a huge area that again I think women don't we don't as doctors maybe ask about it enough and women don't necessarily want to sort of always bring it up and it's not unusual to get baby blues where you feel low around day three for a couple of days but what does need to be recognized is if those moods don't pick up and if your mood stays low or postnatal anxiety which is another one we've possibly not talked about quite so much where you get real anxiety both just physical symptoms, but also the mental symptoms of anxiety, which can affect bonding with your baby, can make you anxious about your baby as well and have a huge impact. So those things really should be asked about. And again, there is help out there. Um, It's not always a quick fix, but it's having the support that you need and to be able to talk about it and be able to be followed up. Yeah, I think those are two big things. I always ask about so feeding because that can be an issue for people and then that can lead to breast tenderness breast issues mastitis so again another thing that that often you you think about just easily breastfeeding your baby and it's not always that way and therefore because so much focus is on breastfeeding if you can't do it then you can feel a failure as well and there is always other ways of doing it it doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong if you can't breastfeed or you're struggling but you might need support and maybe bottle feeding is the other way to go which is is again absolutely fine 
so those are uh, I think some big things I'm sure I've missed others but those are the things that I always sort of want to focus on that isn't always talked about that's great and it's great and I think really important like you say that it's you that ask those questions it's not necessarily the women themselves that volunteer that information until you ask them the question I think it's got to be asked I think firstly people don't want to feel a failure don't want to bring it up or are some people that don't realize actually they're struggling until they talk about it and then actually they realize that there are things that can be done to help you don't have to struggle through some of these things and it's not an embarrassment or a failure or that you're not coping this happens to the majority of women that there are difficulties it's just it's just having that support and having somewhere to to go and knowing where to get the help as well. I wanted to ask because six weeks into having a baby in the grand scheme of being a mom is such a short amount of time really and obviously those six weeks are absolutely key but I mean I personally found that you know I didn't know which way was up or down still really yeah. uh, six weeks and and actually a lot of the problems that I experienced only really became evident that it was a problem rather than just recovering from birth yeah. sort of months down the line yeah. um, and I wonder what your thoughts were as to whether women would benefit from a later check say like a nine months check or a one year check postpartum yeah I think that would be a brilliant idea because you're right I you get your six or we do it at eight weeks to, to tie in with the vaccinations and then I say and you say to women right so that's it right obviously any problems come back but that is meaning that you only come back if there's a specific problem and actually as we were saying before some of these are not necessarily things you feel you should go to your GP about but absolutely have an impact on your life so and so therefore don't or it's difficult to get appointments or don't feel they want to waste time or don't have time to come back. Whereas actually, if you have a set time that actually all women should be seen at, at, and I think nine months is probably a good time because it's the time that possibly some women will be thinking about going back to work. Again, there's often other big changes. Some of the postnatal conditions, as you say, can develop later on or by that point they haven't improved. And actually you think, well, now I've tried doing all certain things and now it's not better. So actually that's the time to then just get some some help and support. So I think it's a lovely idea. The reality, again, at the moment is. But I mean, what is it? It's another 10, 20 minute appointment that shouldn't really take up that much time but in the longer term can actually prevent future problems and I think I mean I've talked about this a lot I think preventative medicine is is the way we should be going in the NHS unfortunately it's slightly reactive medicine at the moment and it's quite difficult to change that because you're constantly at the moment trying to catch up but if you try and to do things before they get to that that problem then actually from a longer term point of view isn't that so much better really absolutely it makes so much more sense to do it that way around but we're firefighting really at the moment aren't we yeah which is frustrating it's frustrating for patients it's frustrating for doctors as well because you just don't feel like you can do the job that you want to be able to be doing when you get a patient in and you ask all these great questions and you find out that they do have you know a mental health issue or a pelvic floor issue or a, a breast issue or whatever it is that they have do you find that there are always services that you can then refer those women onto to get that help or are those services not necessarily always there 
and are they there all around the country or is it specific to certain areas? So there there are services. I think the issues are the availability of the services and the speed of getting them. So I think I think where I find it quite frustrating from a mental health point of view, people either are asking for help or you recognise that there is an issue. Actually, the sooner you get help, the better, really. And it is a very individual. I can only really speak locally. And we have got some some good options. We've got a brilliant um, option called Dose of Nature, which I think is absolutely brilliant, set up by a psychologist who has recognised that there is evidence that being out in nature can help mental health. So she's developed this um, counselling service in nature and they do a a postnatal counselling as well. So, again, we're really lucky to have that. And there is you can get appointments relatively quickly our more classic route of referral yes there is a bit of a wait postnatally people are prioritized but often there's group therapy which actually some people don't like I think postnatally a lot of people do like because it is nice to be with other people who are going through the same thing as you And often it can feel a really, really lonely time and it's scary time. And if you know that other people are going through the same things, it's not just you. But again, it depends when those sessions happen and whether you have to wait. And if you're having to wait for a period of time to get that, what happens in the meantime? So I think although there are options out there, it's just it's getting the time. And this is the case with everything at the moment. There is a wait and that's not always what you want or need particularly in the postnatal time and I do find myself um, particularly with things women's health physio again we've got that option but sometimes recommending going privately just to get seen more quickly and to get more sessions as well I always feel difficult recommending to go privately but actually sometimes that is a good good option particularly for pelvic health physio where you can get seen a little bit more quickly you can get more appointments and actually in the long term it can can be a really really beneficial option so sometimes sadly that is the route we have to go down which is not obviously possible for everybody um but it's trying to find the the ways and means of getting the help that that's needed really absolutely from my own personal experience I had both NHS and private women's health physio in the end because I had a birth injury that meant I couldn't walk Right. Um, I had pubis symphysis diastasis. Yes. Yeah. Um, so as soon as I could basically walk 20 meters, the NHS physios yeah. were like, right, off you go. And I was like, but I'm I'm in my early 30s. I'd quite like to be able to do more than this, please. So, yeah, yeah I, I think for long term recovery and support, actually, the only way I got that was through private. And I was lucky to be able to pay for that. No, you're right and that it's so sad that that's the case and I think unfortunately with the waitlist as they are this is you're right whenever there's a little bit of improvement right that's it move move on and actually that's not good enough really and and you need much more intensive longer term and often more hands-on and I think that the benefit of private and again this is not the fault of the NHS physios they just don't have the time to be as hands-on really and so if the opportunity is there I, I think it's absolutely the way to go if possible I mean it's a difficult one I think I think we're really lucky to get a lot of our healthcare free but maybe there are times that 
like this that at the moment where there isn't the opportunity to get everybody physio on the NHS that maybe we should all be thinking well actually rather than paying for I don't know a new new jeans or something we pay for a women's health physio appointment just from a longer term point of view to really look after our health I think long term would have great effects. My last question before you go is if there was one thing that you could change about the world we live in which would improve life for mothers what would it be? When I was thinking about that, my answer would have been everybody have a women's health physio appointment. But I honestly do believe I think they're brilliant. And I think we should all have one. And and I think, although it doesn't answer everything, I think it answers a lot of some of the postnatal issues that even either happen straight away or as you were talking about actually develop later on. And I think now all the work that I do with women who have or going through the menopause a lot of it stems from some of the postnatal um, side of things so yeah that would be my one not too difficult thing to change theoretically is for everybody to have their own women's health physio if you'd like to hear more from Eloise you can check her out on Instagram she's at the underscore women's health underscore GP so the women's health GP As well as seeing patients in her NHS practice, Eloise also works from the Menopause Care Clinic in London. So if you're based in the area and you're interested in getting in touch, then I've put a link in the show notes to their website. Also in the notes is a link to the postnatal health information leaflet that Eloise mentioned during the episode. You should be able to download a free copy from the link if you want to access it. I just wanted to add, because I know I briefly mention my birth injury in this episode I do talk about what happened in more detail in episode six so if you're interested in hearing more about my story then feel free to listen back to the previous episodes episode six is the one to listen to as always this podcast is not a substitute for medical advice if you have any concerns about your health please go and see your GP a women's health physiotherapist or another suitable medical professional Thank you so much for listening today. Please do like us, follow us, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts. It helps please the algorithm gods and means more people will get to see and hear what we've got to say about postnatal health. If you enjoyed the podcast and you want to leave us a review, even better. Don't forget, you can also follow Mother Bodies on Twitter and Instagram at Mother Bodies, where you can get highlights from each episode and some sneak previews of what's coming up. Thanks again and see you next time.